Uh, I want to share with you one final thought before Rosh Hashanah begins. And that's the idea that counterintuitively, although the Torah says to blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah, and the Talmud says all the incredible reasons that the shofar does for the Jewish people, one of them primarily is that it recalls the, we discussed God blowing the soul into Adam on on the sixth day of creation. It recalls the sacrifice of Isaac, uh, which where where a ram was used instead of him, and which is the literally giving up of everything to God. It recalls the coronation of the king. There are so many different references. The Talmud says it does the greatest thing of of nullifying all of the negative judgments against us and brings our to our prayers up. So how can it be that the rabbis decreed that the shofar should not be blown when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos? How could you, the rabbis take away a mitzvah in the Torah? And the idea, before we get into the, the depth of it, is the rabbis were concerned that someone might carry the shofar in a public domain, which you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. And therefore, they were willing to take away the shofar. So what about all the incredible things the shofar does for us? So simply put, the giving up of something so spiritually dear to us and so powerful for the sake of a mitzvah of Shabbos shows us that we're, we're, we care more about the mitzvahs than ourselves. Giving up something that's for our own benefit, which the shofar is, even though it's also a mitzvah, for the sake of protecting and cherishing Shabbos, shows us where it's literally the same idea of the sacrifice of Isaac, literally giving up our dearest thing for Hashem. And that itself is an incredible merit. And the merit of keeping Shabbos itself protects us. I want to share one deeper idea that I came up with today. The Talmud tells us that the world was created with speech. That God spoke the world into existence. We've spoken about that a few other times so far this year in reference to the shofar and God blowing the soul into Adam, whereas everything else was created with speech. Adam was created with breath, which is the source of speech. But I want to share one other idea here. The Talmud tells us that God created the world with speech with 10 different sayings. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be animals, etc. But the Talmud points out that if you look carefully at the Torah, there are really only nine times that God spoke something into existence. So the Talmud asks, what was that tenth saying? And it says that the word Bereshis, the which is the first word of the Torah, which means beginning in the beginning it's loosely translated as which is not exactly correct but that that word voracious is also a speech of god but that needs to be understood because it doesn't say and god said let there be a beginning so i've always explained this as that the word voracious is the hidden speech of god god didn't say anything beforehand because there was no creation of space, time, and matter before that moment. Voracious was the, literally the big bang of existence. 
when the entire physical universe blasted into being with that one word. And therefore, there was no let there be to reverberate uh, into, into space because there was no space yet. And, and I, I've always referred to that as the hidden speech of God, the reverberation of the speech of God which preceded creation. And the reverberation of that speech is echoing throughout all of existence. And it's our job to look through creation to see the hidden speech of God, the intangible speech of God, which is on a higher, more sublime and primordial level than actual speech. What is speech exactly? Speech is taken, taking the hidden thoughts of your mind, the hidden desires of your mind, and expressing them in tangible packages that others can relate to. When we say that God created the world with speech, it means he took his hidden will and expressed it. But that expression requires cutting that will down to size into bite-sized packages. That's what letters are. And according to Gabbala, letters are the building blocks of creation. I mentioned previously that according to modern string theory the smallest building blocks of creation are small strings that vibrate in different frequencies that create all of matter and that's exactly what kabbalah says that there are letters that are vibrating within all of existence the balatanya the first lubavitcher rebbe of chabad when he was close to his passing away he told his grandson that he no longer sees a world he only sees letters and that's the matrix, that's the code that's programming this reality. But at the end of the day, God's will is constricted into this world through speech. It's a constriction. According to Kabbalah, the way God created the world was by hiding himself in the world. That before creation, all there was was God's infinite oneness, simple existence expanding in all directions. There was no space. In order to create other, God had to create space. And he did that by, so to speak, constricting himself. And then into that empty vacuum, he was able to put very thin layers of his essence, which congealed, so to speak, creating worlds of hiddenness, worlds of concealment, Whereas everything is made up of godliness, the vacuum itself is an illusion. We exist within God, but now he's hidden inside the world. And that's the metaphor that Kabbalah explains to give us a taste of how the world was created, how God went from infinite to finite. So the shofar represents that pure desire of God's, so to speak, a, a primal cry of longing to give to our, to the world that is then channeled through the vessel of constriction. The shofar represents a narrow space. That breath represents the longing of God to create the world, that light coming into this world channeled through the vessel of constriction. And it represents that which preceded God's speech which was just his rutzon, his desire to create a world. So why don't we blow chauffeur on Shabbos?
So when we say that God created the world in six days and on the seventh he rested, what exactly did he rest from? So the holy, uh, the holy works explain, books explain that what we rest from on Shabbos is precisely what God was doing during the six days of creation. What was he doing? He was hiding himself, constricting himself during the six days into vessels of letters and physicality. And on Shabbos, he stopped constricting himself and returned to essence. That's why the word Shabbos means to return. Same root as the word to return, Shav. Because on Shabbos, God returned to essence. And on Shabbos, we cease from building the world, making the world bigger, better, difference, and connect also to essence. So on Shabbos, there's no need to blow shofar. Because shofar represents God's coming into this world through constriction. That's shofar. But on Shabbos, we actually connect to God's source beyond and outside the constriction before there was a creation. The speech of God that's before the word Bereshis. That's the idea of not blowing shofar on Shabbos, that we can literally go outside of time, outside of space, outside of world and connect just to God's desire to create a world. And connecting to that source literally brings life force back into the world to start over for another year. So I want to wish you all a beautiful Rosh Hashanah, a beautiful Shabbos of connection, connection to source, connection to self, connection to essence, connection to your deepest desire, which is beyond this world. Desire to exist, desire to connect, and be intimately bound up with the infinite creator. Shana Tova. We should all be written for a year of life and connection.